I'm Eric Chemi, and this is Politely Pushy. Today on the show, we've got Doug Simon. He is the CEO of DS Simon Media. The company helps clients get their stories on television through satellite media tours and by producing and distributing video content. Clients include top brands across multiple industries in both the private and public sectors. The company has won over 100 industry awards since its founding in 1986. Doug, thank you for spending some time with me on the show today. Yeah, Eric, thanks so much for your generous introduction. So you just released a nationwide survey showing that Americans trust local TV news much more than social media and national news, and it's the one area that Democrats and Republicans both agree. Talk about this. Yeah, so what we found is we asked them, which do you trust more, local TV news or social media? And we separated the question. 85% trusted local TV news more than social media. But what was really interesting is both Democrats and Republicans were in such tight alignment. Republicans, 89% trusted local TV news. Democrats, 87% and independents brought it down slightly. So that was overwhelming. When it came to national news, it was 67% trusted local TV news more than national news. And there, there was a slight difference, but still solid majorities of Republicans and Democrats trusted local TV news more than they trusted national news. What do you make of that? Is that because there's less political coverage on local news? Is it because it's known for being more fact-based and, and there's less of these opinion shows? What, what's the what's the reason? Because right? a lot of times the local news, it's, you know, it's if it, if it bleeds, it leads, right? It's the house fires. And I guess you can trust it. I can see that that house is on fire, but is that really <laughs> even the most useful information to my life? Yeah, well, I don't know if I could speak to whether all local news gives you only useful information, but it does give you traffic and weather and what's going on and issues that are relevant. To your point about there being less political coverage on local TV news, especially during the mornings, that's spot on. We actually did a survey during 2020 just so we could plan to lead up to the presidential election about how much political news, national political news, was going to be covered on local TV. Even in the week leading up to the election, it was less than a majority of the time spent. And we actually said, is this true? Went back, tracked five different markets, all their local TV news stations, and it was significantly less than 10% coverage of political news. So that's definitely it. And there is the trust factor. That's important. People choose to tune in. I think you know some PR people in the past, and obviously they're swinging back in the right direction, have not really valued local TV news as much. In fact, local TV news has a greater audience collectively than either network TV news or all cable TV news combined. That's it's a good fact. I want to repeat that fact. So let's let's say it again. Local TV news has yep. a bigger audience than national news and cable news combined. Than either national, than either, either all national okay. news or all cable news combined. Okay, eighteen to thirty-four is its fastest-growing demographic. Really, sixty. I don't think of that age group as watching local news. The eighteen to thirty-four-year-old. Yeah, it's becoming more diverse as well. This is data from Nielsen that I'm citing here. What's also interesting is sixty-four percent of people who work from home watch their local TV news on a weekly basis. 64% of them. And to your point, a lot of the younger workers have been able to have the 
luxury, flexibility, good fortune of being able to work remotely. The Wall Street Journal at the start of COVID said they estimated 38% of the workforce could work as effectively working remotely. And so it's that core group, which is really a group that brands are going after. That that leads me to my question. Brands are spending billions, like countless billions of dollars on media each year. So how should they use this trust data? What should they do with it? How does it factor in? Should they be making a different decision for where to put their money? Yeah, well, brands are already doing that to a degree that we're seeing in the tremendous increase in usage of satellite media towards featuring brand in-house spokespeople. Last year was up 35%. This year, we're continuing the increase at the same rate. And we did a survey of communicators, 94 of them responded. After 2021, where 53% had increased their usage of SMTs, and it was about a 27% stayed the same and a smaller amount dropped. This year, 90% of them are either maintaining it at a high level or increasing their usage of satellite media tours. They get it, the brands, they want their people on television and media tours are clearly one of the most efficient and effective way to do that. That's so why there's walk, such growth Walk me through some of these details. 94, you said the word communicator. So what does that yep. mean by communicator in this case? Um, PR people who work for brands and agencies. So and there was some of a split. Or out of in-house and agency. And there okay. was some split, one of the stats, and forgive me, taking a look in terms of wanting to use an in-house spokesperson versus third-party spokesperson. Brand communicators were at 81%. Agency communicators were only at 58%. But interestingly, TV producers that we had surveyed, 69% of them preferred using the brand spokespeople and 93% were open to interviewing brand spokespeople. It's more authentic. They're getting the information and the pandemic has increased the speed of that trend that was already underway. They don't want to hear a paid spokesperson who can't really go into depth. They prefer, and this is the TV producers from our data, prefer to speak to people from the brand or the nonprofit who they feel have more information to provide to their viewing audience. That that data makes sense to me because as a you know, CNBC, Bloomberg journalists, we were inundated with that third-party spokesperson, that paid celebrity, whatever level of celebrity they were, maybe right. local or regional or industry celebrity. And it was just, okay, Like I see these same people pitching other things. Right. And they're everybody's paid spokesperson. It was funny how certain people, they, they were regurgitated over and over again, but for different companies. But it's... So I... I believe that the newsrooms want to talk to the actual in-house brand person, not the spokesperson that's out of house, but the agencies seem to think in a little bit more relative scale that, oh, they, the agencies seem to think, oh, the third party spokesperson would be good. And I wonder if there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there. Hey, we're getting paid to go find these people. Part of our job is to create some buzz. So the percentage was lowest when, when you mentioned the agencies. And I wonder if that's why. I think part of that is the inertia factor more than any like, oh, we're going to try and squeeze every last dollar out. This is how it's been done. There were huge sea changes during the VNR controversies and rulings by the FTC about third party spokespeople having to identify that they were working for the brand when they were on camera during an interview. And I should step back and give one caveat. 
if you've got an A-list celebrity, let's say you've got Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, both want to appear together endorsing your brand, they're probably worth the money because you're going to get some serious bookings with that. But if you're yeah, looking good, yeah, at- I don't know how you got to pay them to get them both together. <laughs> that, that's a whole separate thing. But hey, if you can pull it off, you know, great. We'll happily book that satellite right. media tour. You know, we're, we're all in on that. But if it's these B or C list, they can actually be tougher books in cases than the brand spokesperson. Yeah, I believe you. Because we had a lot of those. Thank like, you I, for that. In, in my world, we had the- the the former NFL player that's now on behalf of a certain brand. It's like, you know what, honestly, these former NFL players are a dime a dozen, right? There's so many of them that they're all representing a brand, but okay, like I can get you well, today, but I could get someone else. You, and you can be specific because uh, we've done a number over the years of successful prostate awareness campaigns that the NFL is deeply involved in. And the spokesperson was a hall of famer who in fact was actually diagnosed at a wow. Hall of Fame event where they had the people do that. Wow. So if you've got a significant celebrity with a legitimate tie to the story, you know that makes sense. But again, you're talking an NFL Hall of Famer. That's not a BC or D. Right. That, that's what I was trying to clarify. It wasn't a Hall of Famer, right? It was right. someone who wasn't. So I was like, I can, I, I'm used to getting Hall of Famer. So if you're not a Hall of Famer, you're not at that A-list. And they, they didn't have a relevant story like yours where it was like, no, when they got inducted or what, you know, this is how the story progressed and they got this cancer and it was all related. In these cases, it's like, I'm not even sure you know anything about the company that you're representing. So it makes for a harder conversation. Yeah. So we'll, and we'll go ahead. Going deep into sort of my life pain of being yeah. a New York Jets fan after early excitement. Oh, good luck to probably you. Probably yeah. stay away from Jets spokespeople of the current batch. Hopefully we'll be back and can provide some good spokespeople for brands to work with in the future. I'm going to just throw this out there because the news just came out just now. This Tom Brady announcement today that he's going to go work for Fox and from what I saw, I don't know if this is true, 375 million for 10 years. And and my wife and I were joking. She said, you know, his looks are so good. He should be like David Beckham. He should just keep his mouth shut. Every time he opens his mouth, nothing good can happen. Whereas like you look at Michael Jordan, he basically disappeared, right? There was no amount of money you could get him to talk. He just, I'm done playing. You're never going to find me. I'm very quiet. Yeah. yeah. What, what is your advice for someone? Like when you're the, the all time greatest in your field and you're so famous, you're, you're never going to impress people at the level that they expect because of your reputation. You'll never be as good of a communicator as you were a player. Is it better to be a Brady type and take the money and be constantly out there or to be a Jordan and just say like, I'm good. You're never going to find me. Well, uh, far be it for me to give advice to Tom Brady. He seems to have done pretty well <laughs> without my advice. I do say that I do look forward to actually watching him on the Fox broadcast when he finally retires in 2035. Right. I think he's doing okay. Michael Jordan did actually do the documentary that he had production control about himself. Control, right? And it was recorded. It wasn't live. Yeah, but I think you know Tom Brady's going to do pretty well for himself. He's already done that. He's yeah. A miracle on that to be so successful beyond what anyone else has achieved and he's you know engaging and thoughtful i think he's doing a pretty good job managing his career as well yeah, he's doing okay so then satellite media tours you mentioned the increased demand for it, the increased usage right. for it if not an smt what are the other options 
that people would be using to get their message out there? Because the SMT to me is is the standard way of doing it. So I'm thinking if they're not doing that, well, what else are they doing? Well, this is what I tell people. I'm going to be speaking at a conference um, later, you know, right around the time that you get to post this. And one of the things I'm going to tell them is if you do only one thing, it'll be this. And I'm going to pose this question. If you got a call from CNBC that they wanted to feature your CEO in a positive story, but they need to get on TV in five minutes, could you do that? Are they set up to look and sound good from Zoom? Overwhelmingly, that's what stations prefer to use when they're doing interviews. So you've got to have your key leaders, your key executives set up that you could send them a text, send them an email. Hey, we've got this media opportunity. Get over to the camera, turn it on, and we're going to do the segment. So it's key that brands can do that for themselves. PR agencies can do it for themselves. It's sort of the unique nature of the SMTs when you're wanting to get 20 to 25 interviews, you wanna get your PR people to be able to watch and provide thoughtful suggestions during the course of the various interview conversations. You wanna deal with the different manner that stations wanna get. Some use StreamYard or proprietary software like you're using for this content. Others wanna Zoom to Zoom connection. Others want you to actually record the interview, send them the video file. Some want it via satellite. You know, who's set up to accommodate that? You need a production back end, backbone set up. And that's where, you know, the SMT companies come into play because they do it efficiently and they're regularly in touch with the media. How many American businesses are doing it right now? Like, it seems like it's such a minority. It's so small, even in sort of this big, call it your your medium to big business that you're working with because obviously right. a local business doesn't need an smt but but it feels like it's still a very small minority that there's still big growth opportunities for companies to say okay i'm going to get on board and i'm actually going to do this the right way there are and what's interesting is when i started the business and that was when video news releases were having more of their heyday before those controversies came up which aren't super relevant for this audience if they want to hear about me walking through snow to get to school we can do that on another a discussion as well. Next but it week's was really podcast. Perfect. It was really the national brands that had an interest in getting out there because your costs are the same, whether you're doing five to 10 interviews and you only have got a small group of markets, or if you can pitch a wider markets, if you're pitching, you know, the top hundred markets, if you get a 10% hit, you're getting more hits than if you're only looking at a small piece of markets. One of the things that's changed is a lot of statewide targeted campaigns. In the health area, there are a lot of issues that are different on a state-by-state -state basis. So because of that, we'll do, we're doing saturation campaigns to cover, say, Texas, North Carolina, Florida, specific states that have specific rules and regulations where they can be saturated both with interviews and produced content that gets placed on the stations. You mentioned that question, hey, in five minutes, could you get your CEO ready to go? Yeah. What about the idea of the backgrounds, the polished audio and video? Remember when, when the pandemic first started, it was fun to see, oh, look, everyone's at home. And then it felt like it got old and people didn't want to see the home shot anymore. See, you're at home. I'm at home right now, but we're not doing this for, for TV, for professional TV right now. So my question is, how acceptable is it now to have that home look, that less polished look versus the, you're in a studio, 
you're a hundred percent, you know, makeup, lighting, good mic, good audio. What is the current level of expectation from the newsroom? Sure. And Eric, you know, given the fact that both of us are looking so professional during this conversation, I would debate your premise, perhaps be even be politely pushy and pushing <laughs> back on you. Because but we this are pros. We're pros, so we know how to make it look good, right? I'm sure. literally wearing some makeup right now, and you see the old TV lights behind me. You're running a business that does this. So I think we can make home look good, but I wonder about that executive. How much goes on into we got to make sure this shot is good? And, and how much of it is, you know what, this is never going to work. You need to just drive somewhere else and do it where pros can well, help you. You know, at the start of COVID, people didn't want people visiting them, but it definitely would make sense to have a tech person go to their location to help with the setup or at least do a tech test. Every interview we do, every segment we schedule, whether it's for virtual events where there's going to be 25 people participating, we set up separate times to go over the production with each individual, get them set up best. There are a couple of pieces that you can use that will help you enormously even if you don't do anything else. The number one piece and number one mistake is make sure you have the camera at eye level or above. A lot of people have the camera low down, they're shooting up. You better be pretty attractive to have that be an acceptable look. It adds a bunch of pounds, it just doesn't look good. People don't wanna see your nose hair as you're getting older if you're doing a TV interview. So first thing, get the camera at a higher level. Use an earbud, earbud, make sure you've got a good audio connection. In terms of a background, don't be just in front of a back wall. Have some stuff behind you to give the shot look and depth. Also make sure that primarily the light in the room is in front of you, not behind you. Those four simple things, you're gonna have a much better look that's acceptable and that's authentic. And brands so much, nonprofits, wanna be sharing that they're authentic, they understand what's going on. What better to humanize a person than to see them in their environment rather than a studio. And the data we have, stations, I think it was 22% prefer a studio, 2% um, prefer that they actually go to the station. The remainder over 75% want to do the interviews via Zoom. It's wow. also easier for the stations and it's expanded it. We're booking on a station in Los Angeles that would never book a satellite interview before this. Um, Basically, they didn't have or want to pay for a technician to be available to take in a satellite feed when it wasn't during a primary hour that they were there. Now, every station across the country is set up to be able to take a Zoom-style interview. It's more affordable, more efficient. They don't need the level of talent there to do it. It doesn't cost them extra. So it's expanding the universe that's available to you. Something I've noticed recently, people buying houses and they want that studio room in the house. You know, back in the day, well, now there was the game room for your kids and now it's the home office. And for everyone that's doing something like this, whether they're an influencer online or they're doing this for their job, they want that studio room. Maybe it was a bedroom before a part of the basement. Do you think there's value in people buying that? Because like you're, you're in your living room right now and maybe you yeah. would appreciate, hey, if this was a modern house, I'd be in this separate soundproof 
room. It, like, talk about that. It, it's not necessary. You need a set. And that's one of the things that I'm saying to get your CEO ready to go on in five minutes. This is not my desk. This is not where I work. I have a different location. It's got an acceptable video view that works. But if I'm doing interviews or doing the show that we host, PR's Top Pros Talk, um, that is from this location. So you want to have what's your set. And you can almost find it in your house. Given the realities of COVID, and we all lived through those with kids whose kids were at home. Hey, I'm getting on doing a meeting. Can you be quiet, please? You know, that's part of it. People have to understand that. Even uh, one of my colleagues, who's also an expert on sports communications, who gets interviewed when they're major sports stories, you know, he had his five-year-old son wander onto it. And you know what? He might have felt a little awkward. He handled it really great. He's like, oh, looks like my son's trying to create a viral moment here. But you know, went on with it. It's such a humanizing way. And when people are railing against companies, you're worried about negative info. If your kid wanders into a TV interview, people relate to that. They relate. I I keep that door behind me locked now because <laughs> I left it unlocked before, and and I don't even have a five. I have a three, a two, and a one. So there's oh there's goodness. no reasoning with them. If they walk in, I don't know what would happen. So at least when they're five, you can threaten to well, take away their dessert or to punish them or something. I'm not at that point yet. Yeah, if the one-year-old is walking in, that might be like a Guinness Book of World Record thing, and then you really got to baby-proof the house if you've then, got that going on. Then I've got then I've got real authenticity going on. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, this has, been, this has been really interesting. Thank you so much for the time today and for sharing the data insights. It's given me a lot to think about. Thanks again. That's awesome. And if any of your viewers, you know, want to get an audit of their plan for their executives to how they're planning to get them interviewed on television, you know, we're happy to do that at no charge. It's a really important step that they should take. You need a plan for each of your leaders, get them out there, get them prepared, get them ready. And thanks so much for the great work you're doing. That's a good point. That That is a good point about the audit. It's, it's a good question to think about. So Doug Simon, again, from the CEO of DS Simon Media. I think I know where DS Simon Media's name came from. Doug, thank true. you for joining me today. Thanks so much, Eric. Great stuff that you're doing. Thank you to my guest and thanks for listening. Subscribe to get the latest episodes each week and we'll see you next time.